Hey, y'all, I'm going to take a second to give a quick shout out to the official mortgage lender of the Hunt With Deep podcast. That's Casey Burns of Prime Lending Mortgage. I've known Casey for 10 years and he's the only lender I use. I've used Casey to purchase two houses and the process has been seamless and easy each time. He's the heart of an educator and he truly cares about what's best for his clients. He specializes in VA loans but can handle FHA, conventional investment loans as well. He's a true expert and specialist in his field and there's no one I recommend more than Casey. You can contact Casey at casey.burns at primelending.com, reach him by phone at 919-710-1864. You can also check out all his reviews at www.closewithkc.com. Thanks, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunt With Deep Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke. And today, back at you, we've got Carter, Derek, and our special guest, special ed, is Pete. What's going on, Pete? Well, um, that's the first time you've ever called me special, so it's good to be here. My dad never <laughs> did, so thanks, Luke. You can just call me daddy now. <laughs> good to see you. <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> we're on here because uh, Pete actually just finished up the latest two programs uh, for the Hunt, Lift, Eat line of programming, so I thought it was the perfect time to start talking about training, um, some of the different kind of uh, – we're going to do a deep dive into the energy systems that the body has and then how different types of training affect each energy system and how those energy systems can be directly applied to fitness, hunting, and everything you do uh, within life. And then Pete's going to break down how his specific programming targets those energy systems. And so we can jump right into it. So uh, I recently just did a, a class for some of my platoon leaders on these energy systems and it was something that I was pretty rusty on and needed to, to brush up on. And so <clears throat> there's a couple of terms you're, you're going to have to know, and I'm going to, we'll post some links to some, some of this information uh, into the show notes, but uh, a term is ATP. You hear this a lot. Uh, Pete, can you pr- pronounce that? Is it a, I don't know. I've always just. Adenosine. It's, it's means adenosine triphosphate. And when it's, when it's used, it turns into diphosphate, creatine phosphate, adds the other phosphate to turn it back from a dye to a tri. So that's how all that plays out. Put this down into layman's terms for dumb <clears throat> folks like me. It drives all movement and all muscle contraction. Basically, comes from your ATP production. All right? And so you've got your phosphogen energy system. So phosphogen, I'll say that again. That's your t- 10 to 30 seconds of work. Okay, you're running off stored ATP, no oxygen. So think about a three-rep max on a deadlift, a ball toss, anything that's very explosive, high-energy movement that's very, very short duration. <clears throat> You've got your glycolytic system, and that's your one to three minutes. All right, you're running at this point off blood glucose, your carbohydrates, and or your muscle glycogen, and then you're creating ATP through glycosis. Okay, And within the glycolytic energy systems, you've got Fast glycosis and slow glycosis. So for fast glycosis, think about a sprint, um, dragging a sled for longer duration, um, any sort of like all your kind of your CrossFit style workouts, your metabolic conditioning. A lot of these are going to operate, especially your shorter ones, within your glycolytic energy system. And then for slow glycosis, think about, um, you know, 10 reps on bench press or deadlift, any of your it's your slower movements, however you're hitting them, but not as intense. And then your oxidative energy system, that's your rest and low-intensity exercise. And your ATP is produced via your fat and carbs um, as they're metabolizing. And then you're over – so, like, think about, like, um, 
the duration of a week-long hunt. Like you're operating your oxidative energy system. A marathon is oxidative energy systems. A, you know, 30-mile bike ride, 10-mile run. Like at this point, you've switched over. And so you got to understand this is all a continuum. It's not like a hard and fast. So like essentially think about it as you're in your phosphogen cycle and you've got stored ATP. As you burn up that ATP, you immediately start to transition into your glycolytic cycle. And if you're doing a high-intensity movement, you're running your fast glycosis. And so you're burning up all your blood glucose and whatever your muscle glycogen is. Now, once you've burned up your muscle glycogen and your blood glucose, now you're starting to transition into your oxidative system and you've got to start running off your stored fat and your, you know, any of you know, your more stored carbohydrates. Does that sound about right, Pete? Yeah, man. Honestly, that was, uh, that was pretty good. Um, I was looking at some notes here and just a couple things to add is <clears throat> what, so what Luke, you said about it being a sliding scale, it's not necessarily all one or the other all the time. Um, and you can kind of slide back and forth, but, um, if anyone wanted to, uh, kind of feel what the, the hard switch between energy systems is, um, on an event, um, if you, we've probably all started out like a one mile or two mile run, basically anything that's like six minutes and over, we've probably like started that out too fast. And you're like, I'm feeling good, feeling good, feeling good. And then right about like that half mile mark, that three ish minute mark, uh, all of a sudden your body hits a huge wall, right? Well, that's because you started out at a rate at which your body was like, okay, I need to be in that mid range, uh, that glycolytic energy system. Well, that peters out, uh, pun intended, uh, about <laughs> at about three minutes, right? And then your body has to switch over. You've got to stop. You, you, you know, you hit that half mile mark. You got to stop uh, and slow down. Um, I'll, that's just an example of how to you can sort of perceive that in real life uh, in, in exercise because it's kind of hard to to feel the switch back and forth between all all the three energy systems. Yeah, and so like let's talk about let's kind of break them down and talk about one you know each one individually a little bit, Pete. Like, do you have like more to like break down on the the phosphagen cycle? And you know when I think about that as it applies to hunting, right? Like, <clears throat> so let's say you're you've killed an animal now you've loaded up a really heavy pack as you put that bag on and that initial burst to stand up where it's really shitty you got to roll over your knees and like get that bag up like that would be your phosphagen cycle, right? Yeah. Yeah. So anything really like if you're, if you're talking strictly phosphogen cycle, it's anything like six to 10 seconds and under, um, anything over that you get, you start to transition into like that fast glycolytic energy system, which is a very different thing to train. So anytime you're training strength, even really hypertrophy, you're relying on that, uh, that ATP, that, that phosphogen, that fast, uh, energy cycle. Um, anything that, that is, basically like 75% like effort and over or like a six RPE and over is going to be that. So like you said, Luke, um, trying to like lift up, um, I don't know, any piece of meat onto someone else's back or your own back or standing up with a heavy pack. All of that is going to be that energy system right there. Good shit. And then with the glycolytic, you want to kind of break down, uh, you can probably do a better job of explaining the fast glycosis and slow glycosis. So like I kind of think of fast glycosis as it applies to hunting, um, especially recent, like recent hunts, <clears throat> you know, when we're hunting antelope and you see antelope in the distance, right. And they're, they're moving and you know, their trajectory, 
you get into low ground and it's like a damn sprint. Like literally you got to run in low ground where they can't see you to try to get up ahead of them, crest that IV line and then be able to look and then, you know, see them. It's the same tactic in elk as well. If you see where they're moving, you try to head them off. You got to beat feet and get down there quickly. That would be an example of fast car closeness. Uh, yeah, I mean, you probably, if any time, dude, honestly, any, any time, uh, you're over like 30 seconds of effort, you're going to start transit or I'm sorry. Yeah. 30 seconds of effort. You're going to start transitioning into the, uh, the oxidative glycosis or like a slow glycosis is the same thing. Um, so probably a better example of fast glycosis would be, uh, maybe getting into a tree stand, um, or hauling gear up. Uh, in, in, onto a climber or something like that, whereas what you're talking about would probably be on the on the slow glycosis. Um, and how this pertains to um, how you want to train it is, or how how you can think about it is, fast glycosis is uses the blood glucose, so like your blood sugar, the glycogen that's already uh, in your blood i'm kind of mixing my terms here for you scientists out there but so what already exists as so an the glucose substrate. is in your blood and the glycogen is in your muscles correct yeah thank you yes yeah i i had to I had mix those up um anyway it uses what makes you think for one goddamn second there is any scientist <laughs> listening to this fucking podcast get your head out of your you're right. ass you're right anyway thanks derek um, yeah, so fast glycosis is your, is your body's like actually replacing that ATP through, um, the glycogen that's already in your muscles, uh, which is then replenished by blood glucose. If you exceed that threshold, it involves a liver process that where you start to convert liver glycogen. Um, so to your point, Luke, that's when you start to feel tired. If like, uh, you're trying to make that, you know, pseudo sprint and, you're uh like you haven't eaten anything like because you like that means you're or that's going to make your muscle and liver glycogen stores deplete and like you're not going to have that sort of stamina there if you're trying to perform at a rate that puts you in the glycolytic energy system range as opposed to the oxidative one the long term yeah that makes perfect sense and then obviously you touched on it, but the oxidative energy system is just your long-term endurance. And so your overall hunt, you know, the whole day, like that's just your ability to recover is training the oxidative system. And, you know, I know, Pete, you've done a, a lot of methodologies of training. So have you, Derek. So have you, Carter. We've all done, a, you know, a bunch of different shit. And everything from I've done straight powerlifting to just CrossFit to just running, and I fucking hated it, you know, and so as we look at this, I've realized, and as I've come up, you know, 31 years, been training for, I don't know, I probably started training when I was like 13, 14 with football, and a holistic approach tackling each and every energy system is really what you have to do. You know, we sit here and we're like, oh, fuck, you know, a lot of us, especially guys that like being in the gym, fucking meatheads, fuck running, I hate running. <clears throat> well, you can work, once you understand the energy systems, you realize you don't have to run to work your oxidative energy system. There's other things you can do. You don't have to do just sprints or just CrossFit or just any sort of modality to do these different things. And you understand what the system and the energy system is doing. And then you can apply your training, you know, to that. And that's a good segue into like, 
I like to talk about this, especially with, you know, being in the army with my, uh, with my leaders is like in the army, we do a really good job of exercising. We, like PT is very sporadic. It's very random. You'll do a lot of pretty good workouts, but we don't actually train. I've never seen, or very rarely, I've seen it a few instances to where there's actually like a true training program. And, you know, when I look at it, and I came up with these kind of like layman's definitions of the difference of the two, right? And so I have training is a deliberate set of actions focused on achieving a desired and measurable end state, right? I deliberate program to improve powerlifting total or a marathon, you know, time. Kind of stealing what Pete's been doing. That's training. He's got a desired and measurable end state. And then exercise is activity requiring physical effort to sustain or improve health and fitness, i.e. random wads, you know, circuits, and then the majority of army training. And it is, it's random. And that's how, that's like my biggest gripe with CrossFit as a brand. Very few gyms, and I've been to several, do they actually train. Every wad is random. All the lifts are kind of random. You'll do your strength portion, but there's no like progressive overload. You don't focus on one thing and build. And because of that, that's why you see very sharp gains in the CrossFit community. And then everybody plateaus unless they start taking a direct training approach. And when you look at like the guys that train for the games, like the Matt Frazier's and Rich Fronians, like they actually train, they don't just do these random wads. So and exercise is okay. If you don't have a physical goal that you're trying to train for, just staying healthy is good. But I think for most of us, we want to set a goal and attain that goal. And you do that through training. Yeah. So I, uh, I started CrossFit like super early into the whole, uh, CrossFit craze and, that was kind of my litmus test. Between yeah, what was that, like 1989? Coach coach. Uh, it was about 74. Okay, just make it sure. Yeah. Um, and that was like the litmus test for good coaches and, and shitty coaches. You could you could see a methodology there where they were taking their clients like through – you'd see them like going through a strength cycle and going through a deload cycle and then starting an ollie cycle, you know, and then maybe just like a flexibility cycle and metabolic cycle. Like you, you could see that in their actual programming. It wasn't just – all this random shit, just throwing whatever against the wall and seeing what the fuck stuck. Um, so like, did you say stuck? Stuck, stuck, whatever. Fuck off. Does your West Virginia education make you think that stuck is a fucking word? I didn't graduate high school, <laughs> and somehow they let you be a fucking medic. Dude, there's plenty of medics with GEDs <laughs> and STDs. All the Ds. All right. But yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. Right. My first CrossFit gym had great coaching and that's why I really fell in love with it because I saw awesome results across the board. Um, and I continued that progress because it was very focused, very deliberate, very measurable. And that's when I realized like, Oh, this is fun. Plus I'm competitive. I grew up an athlete and not very athletic, but I mean, I played sports. Um, I like to hit people. And this was like a way to take that outlet and continue that competitiveness. I worked out harder and I was like, Oh, CrossFit's awesome. But then as I went out and I did, you know, I'd never found a gym that coached like them. And I realized that was the big outlier. And I'm sure there's a bunch of them. You know, everybody's, oh, I'm CrossFit and my coach, da, da, da. I don't give a fuck. As a whole, they do a very poor job programming because there's no real checks and balances on, on the gyms and the affiliates. And there's some really good gyms out there. And I'm not hating on CrossFit because I, I will, I'll probably work out in a CrossFit gym again. Um, but that's just, a, a, you know, well, an example me- of, of something because everybody knows it. Let me, let me, let me, I, the point I think you're trying to make, Luke, is 
not having a plan is exercising where having a plan is training, right? Whether that's yes. in a CrossFit gym or uh, at the squad level in a infantry company or, you know, like a freaking soccer mom, you know, that is just going to, you know, muscle and fitness or uh, Gold's Gym or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Carter, did you have something? No, I was just going to reiterate the point on CrossFit, like you were mentioning earlier, about it's just walking in and doing a workout and then walk out. Uh, the the product that you're getting is you're you're getting a great workout, but as you guys have already reiterated, is uh, there's no training program there. There's not necessarily or, uh, for your average person, I'd say that the product that you're getting is the camaraderie and the workout. You're not thinking any long term, right? You go in there and you don't have to think about what the workout is. It's there. It's written down on the board. Or whatever you do, it you move on. Like you said, it's a great way to stay in shape, but not training. And there's a lot of nuanced arguments to this, right? Somebody could be like, well. You know, just general fitness is my goal. So is that training? You know, that's not what we're talking about here. So deliberate training. And that's why Pete and I, when we initially had this idea um, of building programming, it's because a lot of people, a lot, all the questions I was getting was like, hey, I want to train for this. How do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? And it's like, well, you know, I just responded to a guy that asked me about powerlifting. And I told him, I was like, look, man, like, I, don't, I don't have any letters next to my name. That's Pete and Anthony as far as the team's concerned. But this is like my approach. And I've just got a lot of layman shit. And like, I've, notice that I'm mostly correct. Like I've learned a lot from Pete and his programming and I've learned like this has made me research more and more. And eventually I, once I'm out of the army and I have more time, I plan on getting some of my uh, strength and conditioning certifications because it's just good knowledge to have. It helps you have that baseline. Um, but when we had that idea, it was because people struggle with this, especially at the, in the hunting community, because a lot of folks either don't have a lot of time. They don't have a lot of equipment. I mean, a lot of our listeners are from rural areas like where I'm from. You've got to drive like 30 minutes to get to the nearest gym. So, you know, you're doing a lot of like makeshift workouts. That's why we initially did iDune. It's for people that either like live in the sticks or you're deployed, you're in an austere environment. Like you need two dumbbells and a fucking sandbag. And as we've continued to evolve this and listen to people's feedback, you know, we knew people wanted to have some stuff that like a lot of people were just like focused on running. And now we've got guys that are focused on um, more of the strength and powerlifting side. But if you're a hunter, backcountry hunter, or in the military, right, you still need to be able to tap into these other energy cycles or systems, excuse me. You know, you can't just be what really what I am right now, which is fucking strong. You have to be able to fucking move. You got to be able to move quickly. You have to be able to move over distance. And so Pete has done a really good job building these programs out to where they tap into these systems, you know, like Hermod is our run program. This program is really cool because it's mostly focused on your, um, probably your slow glycolytic with your speed work, but then you're still the volume you're hitting your oxidative system, but you've got just enough lifting in there that you're not going to lose, at least lose very much on your phosphagen system. So Pete, why don't you just break down like, <clears throat> especially the two new ones, but just in general, how you apply these energy systems to your programming and what that looks like. Yeah. So sort of taking it from the top here, um, basic, the, the underlying principle behind all punt lifted programs, all five of them now <clears throat> is that there aren't like, if you're trying to go to a powerlifting competition, like don't buy a program from us. If you're trying to run a marathon and you know, set a new PR, like don't buy a program from us. However, if you are good at something, 
don't buy a program from us right now. <laughs> Let's not limit ourselves. In don't the buy one of the ones we have published already. However, but if you never, if you have a um, something you're good at and want to get better uh, at at the other thing, meaning you're strong but need to get faster, or you're fast and want to get strong, that's what we're dealing with here, um, because you to varying degrees will train all three of these energy systems in every single program we have, uh, but just to different degrees, right? So like Luke said, uh, iDune and tier it's follow on are, uh, they're designed to be out of the gym, uh, and with minimal equipment. And those are going to focus primarily on, um, this slow and fast glycolytic energy systems with some oxidative stuff in there. You will run. You're probably not going to get that much stronger. If you take Tier and I Dune and go straight into uh, a gym and, and try to max effort something, like you're probably not going to see that much of a difference. However, you'll probably lose some body fat, and you're going to have a ton of what we call like GPP, general physical preparedness, which is kind of a synonym in uh, a lot of lifting circles for basically having a well-developed glycolytic energy system or oxidative energy system, anything other than pure strength. I think you commonly hear that as like functionally fit, right? That's that's a term that gets thrown out a lot. That functional fitness type shit. Yeah, true, true, and that can also and there's also like functional strength, like the fact that uh, well, we we're at the cabin and Anthony could overhead press the back end of a four wheeler, like you know that's decently functional. Um, but it's you know get, and then broke it, <laughs> and then broke it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that bottom line is that that's sort of the underlying like first principle of all of the the hunt lifting programming is that you're gonna you you might not get so like with with hermod the the speed over distance program uh you're probably uh unless you haven't touched a barbell in like three years you're probably not going to get a lot stronger but what you won't do is get weaker while you're getting faster right and i think that's key yeah, I, I can jump in here. I'm uh, on week four of this program right now, and I absolutely love it. Um, still keeping my numbers up weightlifting and still keeping uh, my cardiovascular shape. Um, and the really great thing about the Hermod program itself is I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm training for that half marathon at the end of the month next month. I'm not just increasing the mileage throughout my training, right? And that's what I've always done in the past. What this program does, which is really smart, is you're increasing your pace, right? You're running 110%, 120% of whatever your baseline was from week one and two, increasing pace uh, without increasing the mileage. And uh, you're seeing, you know, extreme payouts and dividends, you know, in the fourth quarter as we're getting in to these later weeks uh, while saving my knees and my lower back. And frankly, it's just more effective. No, man, that's great to hear, Carter. Um, and yeah, I, I'd actually, I, I'm interested to see, have you ever run a half marathon before? Yeah, I run one every year. I run this half marathon in Atlanta every year, and it's pretty tough half half marathon. And I'm really excited to kind of see how this, my, my goal is just always to get under a, a sub two hours, which is like, it's a whatever pace. I just, it's fun. And uh, I'm really curious to see how, how this training turns out once I hit mile 10, you know, if I could really bust it out and, and crush my, my PR time with this program and still be able to, you know, play around with some heavier weights at the same time. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, me, me too, man. Because I, that's I. Well, you absolutely can, you know, use this program to train for a half marathon. It, it, if you looked at it, it wouldn't be the. It's clearly like not geared towards that level of distance. Um, not that it's not going to help you out, but the the secret sauce here, I think, that Carter's talking about, and to go back, circle us back into the energy system uh, conversation, is that. <clears throat> Um, you know, like a common question would be, how can I get better at running, uh, in the gym? Okay. Well, running is a skill and you're going to have to do it if you want to get better at it. However, the common thing that you can train, whether it's running or cycling or, uh, rowing or whatever it is, um, is training the correct energy system, which is, you know, that long-term over three minutes of concerted effort, and you can absolutely do that in the gym. Um, so that's sort of the secret sauce here. I've talked about this on previous podcasts, um, and and you, you probably the best example of this is Magni, the strength and endurance program, where you where you're actively getting stronger and trained for for long distance. In this case, in that case, a, an actual half marathon at the same time. What I like about these two new ones, especially with Magni, because, like, Magni is fucking intense, man. Like, it just is. And uh, we probably dropped it too soon because there's no buildup. Like, even going from iDune to Tier, now you start moving into these heavy weights. And so what I think is really cool is you can take, <clears throat> like, for me, like, if you, the way I, I look at this and the way I, I'm planning on do this, doing this is, so I'm a weak, I know I'm a weak runner. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off with Modi. I've got this deployment coming up, so I'm going to have a lot of this time to be able to stack these. I'm doing Modi now to get my strength back to where I want it. Got the metabolic conditioning just to get, you know, lose a little weight, get my fat ass back into some cardio. Then do Hermod. So now I'm my, getting my running back, maintaining my strength, losing a little bit, but I just increased it. Running uh, her mod to get my speed back, my running, getting some more mileage in, all that. And then now, after 24 weeks of this preparation, I'll probably do like a week or two off in between them, something like that. But um, then recycle and then hit Magni. And now I feel like I'm going to be very prepared for Magni versus jumping straight in, which is fucking brutal. There's just a, it's just a lot. That's a hard program. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I ran, I ran three cycles of Mad Eye, and then base what was effectively Modi, like back to back to back to back to back, and I it broke me over a year. Like it just like you can do it, but like it, it I was broken. Hence the performance at New York City Marathon, but like, it actually broke. Well, I mean that that's a great that great point because I don't think we ever did a recap of that, did we? A little bit. We? we touched on it some, but yeah. And I mean Spoiler, that, that was Pete sucked. <laughs> Well, you know, in, in you look at the amount of, and this was a good learning point for Pete personally, and then for me, just watching him, right, learning from, you know, his experience is that, you know, the hard work doesn't always equal success. You know, we always tend to talk about it because, like, Pete busted his ass, but I think he broke his body down to the point. Like, he regressed in every almost every category or at least plateaued, even though he put in so much fucking work. And it's because, you know, we started to talk about it, like, and break it down even in the moment because I was filming him for all of his lifts. And as we, you know, he was, you know, the way both, both of our minds works, it's all right, well, we, we identify there's a problem. Let's, let's hash it out, figure out where it's at. And this, you know, Pete, you can jump in better than me, but I mean, obviously some overtraining, 
you know, you just probably weren't getting near enough to just fucking caloric intake you needed for the mileage and the weights you were lifting. I think we talked about deload, you know, your deload, you were still going pretty fucking heavy. And then, you know, just doing it for a year with no real like rest blocked off in the middle of each program. Yeah. You keep beating up your body like that. You get those diminishing returns. Like it's. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you basically just covered it all. Uh, like, uh, regressed over the, I actually regressed over the year, um, from what I did a year prior, both at the, and to the point where at the marathon, you know, it had dealt with two stress injuries for the last nine miles. Um, and, and it, and it just broke me off, but, uh, not to not to lick wounds, because um, we could also talk about it. That's that honestly could probably be a whole hour long talk of lessons learned from that. But <clears throat> uh, sleep being one of them. But um, well, I think it's it. You know, it, you know, look at me, right? So like, I jumped in immediately, started lifting heavy again, which I I can I can fall back into it. However, there's still a lack of like adaptation for like what I'm putting my body through. So I'm hitting it with this heavy stressor, and then I'm like, fuck it. I got a marathon. I got to get mileage in. And so I start hammering miles and then me and you are fucking meatheading it up, snorting pre-workout, blasting screamo. And then I tear my quad in the gym in my garage. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. So, you know, and like looking back, I wasn't hydrating, right? I wasn't deliberate. It was like, and this is shit that I probably could have done when I was 24. I'm fucking 31 now. Like I can't, you know, I was 30 at the time. You know, it's your body isn't as malleable, fucking flexible as it used to be. Like, figuratively and literally. And so I've realized now I've got to have this very more measured and deliberate approach on how I do things and how I fix things and problems that I could fix in a month or two months prior. Like it's probably going to take me six, eight, nine, ten 10 months, 12 months to, to get through. And so that's what I really like about our programs. Even if like nobody buys them, I just like the fact that like the team and we can have them and utilize them and, and swap them and share them and just have this bank of knowledge that we can have to then, adapt and then and then use as a baseline going forward and i think you know the people that are using them are, are seeing the exact same thing because even the I mean, we've sold i'm not sold because they're free but i mean shit we probably had 500 downloads on itunes some, somewhere in there um which is badass and like i hope people are running it and you know realizing that there's different ways to train other than the typical shit you see which is bro lifts and long distance running yeah and that's this that's a that's a good point you bring up man is that there's there seems it's like a false choice between uh i have to choose if i want to lift and do like meathead shit or i i want to you know be fast or or have endurance or whatever and then the only like middle ground that's sort of colloquially available is crossfit um there's actually a ton of options out there whether it's mountain tactical or I mean, I'm not ashamed to plug other people's stuff, but like Mountain Tactical is great, Softleet's great, uh, and it, I, I I'd be lying if I said that I didn't do, you know, probably combined total of like seven years of those two organizations programming, uh, and like it shows here. I mean, they they have good stuff, and it's it's not because it's theirs; it's because like this is how the body works. Like it's it's not unique to them. Uh, there's just not a lot of other people doing it, right? So um combining i'm looking at <clears throat> i'm looking at modi which is a strength focused one right and, and and you're gonna like take monday for example of week two you've got five heavy sets of squat five sets of seven 
some accessory work with leg extensions, Romanian deadlifts, weighted lunges, uh, at you know, in the hypertrophy range, sets of 12. But then to round it off, um, to make sure you're not just getting after meathead shit, uh, you've got a Metcon of, you know, a total of 150 step-ups, sit-ups, and then, you know, over a K of rowing um, in there, right? So you're going to be, you're going to go from, you're going to get all your meathead shit that you need to, to get actually legitimately get stronger. And then you're going to get just enough time in that glycolytic, you know, energy system range and possibly in the oxidative range to sustain that general physical preparedness that you're going to need, that you need to sustain um, as a hunter or as really any kind of outdoorsman um, while you're trying to get stronger on the cycle. Yeah, I mean, it's really good shit, man. I just started, uh, I guess I just started Modi. I'm actually going to, what I always do when I'm getting back into it is I kind of cheat the first week. And then I redo the first week and then do the, you know, the program just standard just to shake the rust off. And just, it's also like a mindset thing, right? So I came back from block leave. Everything's chaos. I didn't even work out. It was like just cleaning my diet, no booze. And then this week working out every day and the next week, full program, full clean, no booze. And that helps me like fix myself a little chunk at a time instead of trying to do it all at once. But uh, we you, did, you we say did you the, were a little uh, chunky. Oh, I'm more than a little chunky. I'm the fucking fattest I've ever been. We talked about this on the dad bods fucking episode, man. Um, but now cutting down, cutting down. I've already lost a little bit, but uh, you know, it's a, it, it's interesting too. You know, and this is branching off a little bit from the programming, but just as a mind sh- shift. And I don't know, Derek. You know, you're you're older than me. You might have had some of the same stuff. Is as I get older and things do slow down, and I can't make these extreme change. Like I've kind of yo-yoed all my whole life, right? Like I drink beer, eat like shit, get a little bit of a fucking beer gut and then be like damn i gotta tighten up eight weeks later i'm you know lean again or relatively lean for myself i've never been like a five percent guy but um i just can't do that anymore i can't drop it off in a month or two months and i've realized that now it's got to be slow a lot more deliberate and then also like with that mindset shift is like i don't have to do it it took you know a year or two years to get out of shape or get you know a shape round and so to fix that, it's you know take a year. So I, I've got twelve months to get to where I want to be. I don't have to do it in two, and you know I've got time. Get times on my side. I haven't really noticed uh, the slowdown. Um, if I if I clean up my diet and eat like I know I should eat, and then I don't really have a problem. Where I've noticed it is everything fucking hurts more. Like in my twenties and even in my early thirties, like I could go, I could go seven days a week and not have a problem. And, and now it's mostly been after range. Like I did ranger school at 32 years old. And after that, it just felt like my fucking joints had fucking sand in them. It's so like, that's where I've noticed the difference. Like I, I have to be more measured in my workouts. Um, because if not, I'll just be fucking wrecked. Are you on any joint supplements? Ivermectin. I do uh, ivermectin. I do, I do horse dewormer. <laughs> and uh, no, I uh, I try to I try to regularly uh, drink bone broth and uh, and then I add collagen to it. Um, but I'm not like on any um, anything in particular. I and it might be placebo, but fuck it. It works. Uh, are 
big fan, and I, I think it does work with the joint pain with uh, glucosamine and conoidrin, especially the one that's got the turmeric in it, which is supposed to activate one of those two. I can't remember which one. And uh, stacked with, you know, krill oil or some, you know, heavy omega-3s. Do you mean chondroitin? You yeah, I can't say the word. You, oh, okay. oh, oh, high and mighty can't fucking say a word. Okay, got it. Yeah. I've never Maybe pretended to be fucking stones smart. in a glass house, dickhead. <laughs> what word did you fucking say? Stuck. Stuck. I got, I got tongue tied on stuck. No, you said stuck. I stuck yeah, it. Tongue got stuck. You said you made up a new tense of the word stuck. I mispronounced nah, some fucking sciencey word. I just threw we some are not the same. On it. Threw some country grammar on it, dude. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to it. Uh, but yeah, what uh, do you guys have any questions for Pete regarding like the programming and the energy cycles and all this shit? So how do you, how do you uh, s- s- kind of plan your program, Pete? Do you look at the end state and work backwards, or or do you pick where you uh, do you want them to start and then kind of work through it that way? Like, so what's your What's your planning ideology, I guess? Dude, that's a super good question. Um, and this is actually something that for anyone listening out there that wants to just build their own plan, like take you can take this away. You pick pick your goals um, and the things you want to get after, and then you prioritize them. Um, and it's the classic case of, you know, the whole time management example that you get as like a junior high kid where you got to put the big rocks in and then the small pebbles and then fill it up with sand and water. But if you put the sand in first and there's not room for the, uh, the pebbles and the big rocks, is this ringing a bell for everyone? Okay. Well, that's your body. No, I've literally only heard this from you, but it makes a lot of sense. Okay. Well, we're talking, it's a time management analogy that you can apply to physical training and you've got a limited capacity. Some people call it a neurological cup. I call it that because someone told me that and it sounds fancy. Um, but you've got a limited capacity for training, so you pick your focus. Um, so say a strength focus like Modi. And I plan week over week the strength, like the, the strength portions of that workout. I plan all uh, 10 weeks of it at once. Okay. Then I go to my next priority, which in this case in Modi is sustaining, um, aerobic endurance, not building it, but sustaining it. And then I plan that. Okay. So you've got four weeks of strength in one day or four days a week of strength and one day a week of aerobic endurance. And then on top of that, you've got sort of the tertiary things that you want to get after, like, um, some training, some of that glycolytic stuff, your accessory work and like chassis integrity, your core work. Right. And then you kind of plan those around, uh, the days, um, where that, that you, that you fit the big rocks in. Right. So you're not gonna, you're not gonna go out there because you plan squat first on Monday and bench press on Tuesday. You're not going to go plan, uh, like a super intense interval workout on the same day as you're squatting heavy, right? You're going to, you're going to fit that in where you can, cause that's not your priority. Cause your priority is strength in this case. If it was vice versa. You would start with the running and then fit the strength in, uh, as needed. Does that make sense? 
but you can't do everything, so you got to prioritize. And just classic, it's like a classic cliche in the Army, if everything's a priority, nothing is, and it applies to the gym as well. And I think that speaks to the importance of a deliberate program, whether that's one of ours, whether that's one that you buy from someone else, whether it's a free one you get. I mean, how I recommended to the dude that messaged me about uh, getting into powerlifting, like my favorite free program that I used when I was training in powerlifting. You know, then I plugged Modi and said, hey, this would be great as well if you want to buy one of ours. But, you know, if not, like we're just here to help. Uh, but it is it speaks to the, the importance of the program, whether you develop yourself, you buy it, or you get it off the internet. Like you need to have something that's deliberately and very – like deliberately laid out, thought out, and then deliberately executed, you know, in sequence with that tangible goal on the end. And that, you know, that's training, as we talked about earlier. I got a question. Yeah. All right, Pete, now that you've you've had, what, two or three shots at the, the marathon under four hours and your powerlifting total, how realistically do you feel about ever completing it? Like, and I'm not – this isn't like a fucking shot at you at all. I'm just like, cause I, I'm wondering like, at what point do you start maybe moving your goals? Like taking a, taking a look at yourself and figuring out like, where the fuck am I at? And is, is this even, attainable? yeah, bro. Uh, first off, super fair question. Cause I asked myself that, uh, for three miles limping through the Bronx in November. Um, so like super fair question. Um, and I do think it's realistic. I think I was approaching it the wrong way. Um, I think the biggest lesson learned here is that you, you do really do have to focus on um, one thing and maintain the uh, the other thing, whatever that is for you, um, while in order to do that. So it's possible, but I'm, I am re-approaching how I'm doing that. I'm probably not going to run another marathon for at least a year. Uh, and I'm focusing for the next six, eight, nine, maybe 12 months, however really long that takes, um, to just actually like legitimately attaining those strength goals first, fixing weaknesses, um, with a coach that knows way more than me about strength. There's no shit about running, but he's given me the leeway to, to maintain, uh, a baseline of that, like a very minimal baseline while I'm focusing on absolute strength. I guess going off of what, Derek just asked you for your next set of goals, at least for this year, are you going to be running one of the current programs that are out or you do like already have a new one in the works? So this is, this is going to be sort of a pilot of, of a new one. Um, I'm actually, I can't riff it completely. Cause I went out and I found a coach that it's his programming. Um, Cause I've already run all of our programs um, respectively to varying degrees. Um, and this is an even harder strength focus, um, more, more than, than we even have available right now. Yeah. It's, it's like straight, it's like straight West side barbell shit. I like that. And I like what you said about, you know, you're running somebody else's program and you don't want to riff it. It speaks volumes about one, your integrity, but also like the value of, you know, actually buying a program, right? You're not just some dude who's coming on here trying to get some money, right? You're actually running other folks' programs. And, you know, for me in the past, the most effective and the most efficient training I've done has been when I put a little skin in the game and, and find a program that works for you, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. Once you feel invested in it, then it's like 
you there there's there's all kinds of psychology that is I was on psychology's been done psychology is known whatever just chalk me up with Derek on this one uh but but about the fact that like legitimately just going in and investing something um it doesn't even have to be dollars like in this case it would be but dollars uh like dramatically increases adherence to like a, a plan and it makes you against the plan. And this has done this for me too. There's a huge turnover in my fitness when I quit just working out and I actually like trained. And for me, that was actually buying a plan because then it made it all, it took the what out of the question. And then it just made like a win and a where in terms of how I was going to work out. You know what I'm saying? I think programming for yourself also is extremely difficult because psychologically and just physiologically people are fucking inherently lazy and and you're gonna work to your strengths you don't want to do the shit that you suck at so you're you're going to have that bias to do stuff that you like to do and like you see these elite level athletes who have the knowledge to make their own program they all have coaches because of that's that simple fact yeah man i mean this is just, dude that's that's super huge like and this is something that uh, I will riff off the guy that's doing my programming right now. He's got a story. He went to a seminar at Westside Barbell, uh, went, and, and I, he was like, dude, everyone has something to learn. And in this story, he watched Chuck Vogel pull squat, which at the time, uh, he was the he was the lightest person in the world ever to break uh, 1,000 pounds. He weighed like 220, 1,000-pound squat, um, which is good. Dude, Louis Simmons has forgotten more about – physiology and and weightlifting then we'll exactly learn like that guy's exactly and this dude goes he goes he watches chuck vogel pull do a squat and chuck turns around and nine of the 13 people that were around him gave him feedback and he listened to every single one of them if, and and his point was if that dude can take feedback then every asshole can take some feedback <laughs> yeah I mean, unless it, unless it's just somebody being a dick to try and like cut you down, th- then if you don't take that criticism as, as construction, you're doing yourself a disservice. And uh, but I think it ties it ties most back to like your point, man. Is like we've all got we've all got something to learn from someone else. Um, it's just a matter of of whether or not you're actually going to pursue it. Um, I know I do. That's why I'm doing someone else's programming now, and that's why I've but I have did my own programming for the last year and a half to two years. But before that, it was all someone else's. Um, and, and now want to hopefully learn or share the sort of hard lessons that I've learned um, when I did my own programming, which resulted in what we're offering through HLE. Like that's like, I'm passionate about like, uh, you know, let's share those lessons and um, sort of the refined product with everyone because it's, it's brought me on a tremendous, like, physical journey um from being pretty mediocre to mildly less mediocre uh <laughs> no but seriously like it you know it was it was a, it was a great time so um and and being able because the underlying another underlying principle behind this whole all of these uh and we've talked about this before on the podcast is that uh you don't have to choose you you don't have to forego strength in order to get faster and you don't have to um get 
a lot slower to get stronger. Like you can do both. You can't do both at elite levels, but you can do both at like the amateur athlete level. Yeah. And I think that's important to, you know, kind of clarify there is that if you do want to be top tier, like, like Anthony can't afford to run. Like when he's, you know, training for strongman, he needs to focus on strongman going out and running six miles. is not going to help him. It's probably going to hurt him. And so, he's got different goals because he's a professional strongman. but for the everyday guy and gal, um, if you, if your goals are to just be you know, bigger, faster, stronger and apply that to the woods and the mountain, which is obviously the majority of, of folks that are listening to this podcast, then you need to be well-rounded. You need to tackle all three of those energy systems. You know, you got to train your phosphogen system. You got to train your glycolytic system and you got to train your, oxidative system and if you train those three then you're going to be prepped for the mountain and you know pete we can touch on this like everybody says you can't train for altitude it's not entirely true okay you cannot you cannot simulate the lack of oxygen your body's gonna get in but you can train your body's ability to function in an oxygen deprived state and when you're really hitting that glycolytic system that's what you're doing from a cardiovascular standpoint. And so if you want to train, if you're a flatlander and you want to train the best way, like you're going to need the endurance of the oxidative system, no doubt, because a 10 day hunt, five day hunt, even a three day hunt is a grind, but you really got to really hammer home that glycolytic system because that is where your body's going to be able to operate and without going uh, hypoxic. So just something to think about. Pete, you can jump in. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, no. So you, you hit on a good point. You can, <clears throat> you can't train your body completely for altitude, but you can do things to uh, train your. There's a number of um, physiological responses to altitude, like I don't know, in the backcountry, uh, and you can't train your body for for like a holistic response. But you can do or certain things that are. Uh, going to help keep your heart rate lower under, you know, a, a number of types of stress um, and experiencing less oxygen uh, is remarkably similar to, uh, you know, being five minutes into like uh, um, an AMRAP and just like sucking, right? So your, your heart rate's still going to spike, but what you can train is, is to push that that glycolo or sorry that lactic uh which is the same thing as your glycolytic threshold higher um so you're not necessarily only performing ever in that slow steady state oxidative system when you're at altitude uh because your heart rate is just like constantly through the roof you know what i'm saying so there's 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 things you can do to manage the physiological response to altitude even though you can't train quote air quotes for altitude yeah, exactly. And, uh, what she said. you know, that's, that's really what I like about these programs is because of the, the kind of holistic approach, but they do specifically attack in the energy systems in the, it depending on your end goal. But like, like if you want to go hit the mountain, right. Not being the strongest motherfucker with all this extra muscle that you need more oxygen to pump to is probably a better idea. And so that's why tier is really no heavy lifting. It's all just sandbag movements, lightweight, 
high repetition, a lot of you're, you're doing a lot of oxidative and glycolytic stuff. However, you get a little bit of phosphogen with the sandbag weights to the point where you're, you're not going to atrophy, you know, but like my big ass, if where I'm at now, I would die on the mountain because I'm the heaviest I've ever been. I'm the strong I'm around my strength peak, uh, give or take a few pounds. And so like, this isn't ideal for a backcountry hunt because the more muscle you've got, one, you're the heavier. And then two, the more oxygen you need and the more, the harder your heart is going to pump to push blood into all those muscles. And so you've got to train that and balance that. It's kind of a balancing act. So you, you really got to identify, set what those goals are, and then build your training around that, which is what we've said this whole podcast, but just to kind of reiterate. But, yeah, I mean, fellas, we're coming up on an hour, man. It went it went pretty quick. I think this is good shit. I've wanted to do this one for a while. We've done podcasts where we've talked about programs, but I wanted to really break down, you know, into the energy systems and, and some of the methodologies and, and how these programs apply to those energy systems and how your own programming or programs you get elsewhere can as well. Because, you know, obviously we want to sell programs, but at the end of the day we want you guys to perform better in your day-to-day lives, on the mountain, in the gym, everything else, and just live an overall healthy lifestyle and preach and spread that message. But we can go ahead and start wrapping it up, man. Uh, Carter, what do you got for closing? Man, all, all I got to say is go pick up one of these programs. It's, uh, it's the beginning of January. I can attest personally to doing both of, or two of these programs uh, personally. Um, great time of the year to do it, get after it. Think about being on the mountain this fall. Think about those days putting in 10 plus miles, uh, hiking in, looking for antelope or mule deer or whatever you're doing this fall. Let that be your motivation so that it sucks a little bit less if you're coming from Georgia all the way out west. Um, So go pick up a program and check it out. Hell yeah. What do you got, Derek? I think this is a great segue into the February Fitness Challenge. Get your fat ass off the fucking couch. Jump in with us. And there's going to be some great prizes. There's a big-ass cooler, one of the Fenry knives that Luke and I designed. So get fucking motivated and pick up. I don't give a shit if you pick up one of Pete's programs. Pete's an asshole. Just fucking get your ass off the couch and get moving. Well said, brother. Well said. Yeah, definitely hit that. The prizes are going to be badass. Uh, we're gonna, we'll drop the link to the uh, fitness challenge in the show notes so you guys hit it. And honestly, you snag up one of our programs. It would be the even if you just grab iDune and use that as a launching point, and it's the free one. It's four weeks, so that would be the perfect one. Stick to it every single day, and then do some, you know, biking or walking or whatever on uh, Saturday, Sunday. But our programs are tailored to this, so definitely snag them or grab one of your own. You don't have to do ours, but we are going to offer a discount for the month of February for our programming. I'm pretty sure seventy percent of these motherfuckers can't spell February. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that word really snuck up on you, didn't it? Um, hey, hey, but I'll take it from here. Yeah, so, it, dude, it's been great talking about this stuff. I love nerding out uh, about this. Uh, if I could leave people with one thing is a commonly asked question I get is, like, how do you measure your uh, sort of glycolytic dick? You start from the taint. That's how Jesus. I do. Oh, mom, he said it, not me. Oh. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> You were going a different direction. (laughs) Oh my gosh. How do you measure your actual, like your glycolytic, uh, like that mid range, uh, fitness improving, right? Uh, the the sort of, we call it like the Metcon, uh, fitness, right? So, uh, and how do you compare doing like kettlebells, sit-ups and rowing to pull-ups, push-ups and like box jumps, right? 
Uh, the best way I've found to do it is what I like to call the one minute heart rate drop. And so as soon as you're done with a workout, measure your heart rate for 15 seconds. Obviously you multiply that by four duh, to get your beats per minute. And then you wait a minute and measure it again. And the bigger that drop is over a minute, the better shape you're in, generally speaking. So that that's really helped me out. I forget where I learned that, uh, but that's really helped me sort of compare apples to oranges and pears. Uh, something I wanted to ask, and I kind of forgot, and now I just remembered. Uh, is there any uh, any plans to do like a mobility slash uh, recovery program, Pete? Uh, there is. There absolutely is to do this. It'd be there definitely is now. No, there there absolutely is. It's uh, sort of on the next docket is uh, to do do it as like a supplemental plan, um, to where it's not its own standalone workout plan but is four weeks of uh, mobility work that you can maybe add in as like a second 10 to 20 minute session or just you know trim it down and tack it on to the end of a workout if you have that that amount of time in the morning or afternoon yeah i think that's the the perfect way to go about that and uh, derek is going to demonstrate all of those on video for us we're going to put it up on the website uh he's it's going to be 90 seconds of him and the downward dog in a borat film (laughs) I know Pete's mom likes to listen to all the ones he's on, so Mrs. Sunderland, I'm I'm very sorry, but it is what it is. I apologize for nothing, ma'am. <laughs> I meant every word I said. You raised a huge disappointment, and I'm sorry. Huge is the right word. Hey, what and what a great way to wrap it up. Thanks, Luke. Absolutely, man. All right, yeah. Y'all, we appreciate the hell out of it. I'm not exactly sure when this is going to drop because we have a fuckload of podcasts stacked up, but uh, this should be right around. uh, We're probably going to be a couple weeks out from our latest uh, apparel drop. We've got some cool new shit coming in, a lot of color variations, a couple new designs, and a big restock across the board. So if you want any of your shit, head over, definitely snag it up. Uh, Some of these aren't big runs, so we're probably going to run out of shit. And then uh, with the new designs, we got a bunch of it. So grab that stuff up. And then definitely, like Derek said, hit up the HLE Fitness Challenge, the February Fitness, and you use that code, HLE February Fitness. Google February if you need to know how to spell it. But as always, we appreciate the hell out of all you guys. If you like this podcast, like what we put out, please, please subscribe to the podcast and then go down, give us a rating, drop us a review. That feedback is huge for us. It's big for sponsors. It helps the algorithm to push the name out and help us continue to grow. We appreciate all the support. Thanks, y'all.